about to reconcile, wreck and wreck and wreck We about to reconcile, bitch. We about to We about to reconcile, we about to reconcile, we about to reconcile, reconcile, Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another edition of Reconcile This, where we talk about history, her story, and more importantly, our story. Coming straight from the streets of Fort Worth, I am your host at the most, Dr. Frederick Gooding Jr., a.k.a. Dr. G, and I'm aided and assisted by my co-host with the co-most. You all know the mellifluous, the marvelous, and the magnificent, and that would be none other than Mr. Perkins. What is going on, my brother? Dr. G, good morning to you. How are you feeling? I am feeling super fantastic. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. Because uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of opportunity here for us to talk about what's happening in the past, present, and future together here. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, you know, when we look at this journey that we've been taking with reconciliation, um, it's not just a matter of just looking at the past. But we also have the opportunity to look forward. And I think the guest that we have today is going to help us talk about the fruits that come from this journey of reconciliation, right? For sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And so um, without any further ado, uh, why don't we bring into the cipher an individual that you and I both know quite well and has also been walking the path of reconciliation with this. And that would be none other than the official postdoctoral fellow for the TCU Race and Reconciliation Initiative, and that would be Dr. Sylvian Greensword. Dr. Greensword, welcome. Dr. Greensword, good morning. Morning. Wonderful to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. And so um, before we get to the uh, matter at hand, I mean, first just want to let the audience know a little bit more about who you are and, and your pathway. How did you actually uh, decide that you wanted to, I don't know, uh, care about people and research their stories? I mean, how, how do you end up in a position like this where you uh, are armed with a PhD seeking to speak truth to power? Uh, would you tell us a little bit about your academic journey? Well, my academic journey, um, I guess you could say it officially started in Louisiana, back in Louisiana, LSU. I'm a graduate of LSU and um, doing study with immigrant women um, who practice the folk art of hair braiding. I started researching those communities and looking at how hair salons are bridges that uh, connect those African immigrant women to their mostly African-American uh, female customers. So looking at race relations in an intra-diasporic context uh, has you know, opened my eyes to some of the realities of what it means to be Black in America, the complexity of what it means to be Black in America. And Blackness can be defined in so many different ways. Uh, one of them is nationality. Uh, I am a uh, Black woman, African descent, um, born European, living in the United States, uh, married to somebody who's Black from the Caribbean. So Blackness is a very 
complex context. Mm -hmm. And um, what I'm seeing with my research is that Blackness can also be um, defined and we can add a other layer of complexity based on the historical time period that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So Blackness today in the United States means something completely different from what it meant uh, in, I don't know, let's speak a random date, um, 1873. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, looking at those different layers of complexities in what it means to be Black in America, uh, working for an institution like TCU, you know, I think it really um, encouraged me to tap into those roots and looking at um, what Black people have accomplished in different contexts, in the institutional context, in the educational context. And um, yeah, I think that's that's really what kind of was the catalyst for my research is the different layers of Blackness. Mm -hmm. You threw out a very interesting date of uh, 1873. It was just random. <laughs> it was random date, right? And so I think with this episode, our, our structure will be a little bit different because, you know, we'll, we'll all three kind of have conversations and ask each other questions right. on 1873 and what happened before and after. And so right. if you're listening to this episode and you've caught whim of the this uh, project that has come down the pipeline, uh, there is a, da -da 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 -da, a book um a book that's come out um coming out uh check all of your local bookstores uh amazon uh barnes and noble but if you want to support black owned bookstores uh the docs bookshop right here in fort worth has you covered Je jeff bezos has enough money um but we because oh, docs is what is is a black owned oh. bookstore a black family owned yes. bookstore right here in, in the fort worth community uh, but we together uh, with the leadership of Dr. G and, and bringing on uh, Dr. Greenswood and myself are co-authors of A History to Remember TCU Purple, White, and Black. And so that's what we'll talk about today, just kind of our process, our writing process, our thoughts behind it, and our feelings. So one of the questions I want to ask uh, Dr. G, I guess, start with you, like, you know, when you get this idea or you get the opportunity how, how does that even go about? I don't even know if we actually talked about that. Do we talk about that? I don't think we talked about how you got it or like where right. it comes from, mm -hmm. the idea, mm -hmm. or well, they negotiated it. Yeah, so um, yeah, you're right. That is an excellent question. I mean, uh, well, I am a historian by training. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if the audience knows, I did obtain my PhD in history from Georgetown University. Um, and in coming here, I just wanted to, like with any scenario, just understand my environment and my surroundings. After all, if I'm going to be part of the TC community, uh, I want to be fully present, mm -hmm. right? But part of being fully present is also being connected to the storyline, right? I mean, when you think about anybody who uh, walk, walks into a room and uh, you know, the TV's already on, you know, the question is, okay, what will happen, right? You know, I mean, so the idea is well, you want to understand what happened to, to appreciate the nuance of what is happening in this present moment and what might, you know, and that adds to the tension, you know, if you're watching some sort of a, a movie, a storyline. And so to understand what has been happening, I think was the, the primary genesis of understanding the environment in which I was a part of. And so uh, when I obtained the, the book contract for TCU Press, that was actually before 
RI was even conceptualized. Oh, wow. Right, right. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, no, yeah. So I had the so right. So we look at chicken and egg. No, the book contract came first, mm -hmm. right? So the book contract came first. Um, you know, and so I was. This is a project I was going to do by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, just, just, just to be my contribution as a historian. Uh, to because the thing is, uh, one of the things that I did, uh, and I'm going to thank my colleague, uh, Dr. Dan Williams, who's the uh, editor of TCU Press. When I first came to TCU, he gave me a gift of several books, um, you know, from the TCU Press, and the idea was that. Um, and going through these books, uh, and forgive me, um, I'm an African-American male. When I brush my teeth and look myself in the mirror, I see an African-American male, um, you know, walking around my house, you know, I see other African-Americans. And so uh, you must forgive me that I look at the world through an African-American perspective, right, an African-American lens. And so as I'm going through all these books, talking about Fort Worth and TCU, exactly, crickets. Uh, you know, it, it, is, it is just very, very difficult to obtain um, information. Maybe there's a paragraph here or a couple mentions, a couple smatterings there, but nothing really concentrated. And obviously, you know, that, you know, I saw this as an opportunity, right? Um, to, um, you know, to, to, to fill in the, the story that, that wasn't really being told. And again, I want to give a shout out to Ruby Carey, um, you know, a local author who has written a lot about local Fort Worth and Black history in Fort Worth, yeah. but putting the concepts together as far as Black history in, in TCU. I mean, I, I just knew that there was uh, a, a story here that needed to be told. I heard about Aline Jones and her influence, but um, you know, I, I knew that there was more than that, right? right. And so, um, so once um, George Floyd, uh, happened and once um, TCU decided that along with other institutions that they wanted to take a, a, a look at who they were and what they were doing with the race and reconciliation initiative, um, I, I still didn't put the two together, right? And and because I, I don't think I approached you all until we were maybe a year in, yeah, right. And so and so I think this is also very important and not to be too long winded, but the idea is that. Um, once we were uh, getting our momentum going in terms of the academic aspect of uh, you know, researching the, the connection of TCU's uh, relationship to slavery, racism, and Confederacy, um, once the, the material started coming in, and also once uh, we were working together as a unit and began to build trust, because remember, uh, Perkins, you, 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 I brought you on board, I want to say in August, and Dr. Greensward brought you on board in December. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it took us some time to just, I mean, get to know one another yeah. and, and also just to, uh, see, you know, all that we were covering and discovering. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know we were, essentially, Dr. Greensward came here in December and, you know, uh, he had the town painted purple like in March. I mean, she just <laughs> came, hit the ground running, and just blew it up. Yeah. And so, you know, once she made all these discoveries, it was like, wait a minute, you know what? Um, you know, and, and again, I'm going to conclude by, by saying that this is important. Um, while I endeavored to do this for my community um, by myself, I've realized that the best way to do this for the community was with community, mm. right? And so uh, the fact that we are here with this published book, of which I am absolutely very proud of, and if, uh, I believe is absolutely high quality work, um, I could not have done it without um, you know, working and collaborating with you all, my teammates, and I feel that it's just been a generative process that that has been um, double fold, and that you know we've been able to highlight this black voice that has been largely overlooked and maybe unsung, um, and then at the same time um, elevating our voices as well. You know, and I think that the way that the three of us combine to tell the story is going to read differently than say somebody else. And guess what? 
that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because most African-American history is actually not even written by African-Americans or black right. people. And so I think for us to um, interrupt that and make this contribution to start the conversation, I, I absolutely feel good about it. Mm -hmm. Doc, I mean, one, I just, again, I, I can never say thank you enough. No, I mean, because as as someone who was in this field, you know, you, you're a, a professor, you, this is your field. You could have kept that contract for yourself. Mm. Right. I don't know how many professors are, hey, let me bring in people that haven't produced a book. Like that's what it is. Like right. I don't have a book. <laughs> like, I don't have a book. Um, I don't know if Dr. Greenspan, I don't know if you had any books written or in the process or kind of. Kind of. I don't even have a PhD <laughs> yet. Right. And so for you to see us and say, like, I could very well do this on my own, but let me bring in people to to build with i can't thank you enough like i don't think any other professors doing that and so i think that is a reflection of one the leadership and why ri has and still holds the success that it does because of leadership um as well as the the quality of the product we're able to produce um so for you, I, that, I i definitely thank you for that yeah, yeah, and then be willing to put our names beside yours yeah. Yeah. on something that, you know, will be read potentially internationally. Yeah. I mean, this is, wow. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe, but maybe not if we all contributed. I mean, we, we all were teammates. Yeah, but you trusted us with that. Yeah. I mean... No, that's what's a lot. That, that, that means a lot. lot. Yeah. That means a lot. It means a lot. Well, it's easy to trust people who believe and who work hard and see the vision that reconciliation is indeed possible, the yeah. the possible. So, 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 yeah. I mean, that's absolutely easy to trust. And I, and I think what we're doing is we're actually modeling yeah. what reconciliation can be, yeah. right? You know, and and I think that's all part of the powerful message. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I, I wanted to kind of slowly pivot to because I'm interested in like what one was you all's writing process um because i had to find mine like mm -hmm. i had to find like what works for me and then were there any like interesting stories that you came up across in you all's chapter because so for those that are listening um each of us had three chapters that we were responsible for all with different subtopics um and so we all did our own research we collaborated with each other hey i found this it's maybe interesting to you but were there anything that you stuck on you were like whoa like that's crazy. And uh, I'll, while y'all think, I'll jump in and say mine, like with the breakthroughs chapter, finding out the first Black person to be included into a TCU yearbook that wasn't being ridiculed or harassed or played a prank on was Duke Ellington. That to me, I was like, wow. And so segregated school no no black students but they want black entertainment right and, and they want one of the greatest black entertainers no. to come um so that to me was a very very interesting find and i had to literally go through every yearbook um of tcu history well you know i'm, I'm glad you mentioned the yearbook because uh for those who don't know um this is not built upon speculation I mean, everything that we we're talking about is based upon primary source documents. Yeah. And and I think um, with TC Press, what we were able to do is actually publish and print a, a lot of these primary source documents with high quality photographs because um, we decided to adopt a coffee table book, uh, like coffee table books type style. So mm -hmm. it's not like a small librette that you can necessarily just fit 
in your pocket, but we wanted this to be something that could start a conversation. And so because of the size of the book, it allows us to have you know, the illustrations so that people can see for themselves, mm -hmm. right? So it's not a matter of us making this up and being speculative and pointing a finger and, 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 and just creating a narrative where we're trying to be negative, but there are indeed dark chapters, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and I think we shouldn't hide from that. We should embrace the history and not erase it. So that way we can appreciate the light in which we're going towards, right? And and also when you're talking about, you know, uh, how do we negotiate moving towards the light? I didn't mention earlier, but I want to be very clear that this is not a matter of us, uh, quote unquote, exploiting or profiting off of, you know, the history. I remember uh, when I was first tapped, I negotiated with the provost that, hey, I already have this book contract. It appears as if uh, the, the, the book and the research move in the same direction. And so I just want to reserve the right that um, any research that we find, you know, as a, a collective body, as far as RRI, that we have the ability to, 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 to utilize and, and share, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, I mean, this is information that should be shared. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and again, and if there's something that, that we missed, you know, being, being human beings, that is absolutely possible, then hopefully what this does is that this uh, starts a conversation that many additional people can add on to. Yeah. Because I think when we talk about conversation, one of the pieces that jumped out to me, sir, was when you look at the uh, prior narrative, I think um, we look at the singular dates, such as, uh, what is it, January 23rd, 1964, yeah. where the memo went out uh, from this day henceforth. Right? Yeah. There's, there's a webpage uh, from the library. I mean, it's, it's much ballyhooed, and we celebrated this idea. This was the singular memo that um, that helped integrate TCU, and you know, from that point forward, you know, we, we went moving forward into the future of Kumbaya. Yeah. Not quite. Mm. In that very same memo, I think what was what really jumped out to me was that it really became clear that the door was unlocked, perhaps, mm -hmm. but it wasn't swung open. Mm -hmm. And in the same memo, you're talking about they said they wanted what? Increased tuition, increased academic requirements, yeah. specifically because didn't want it. A lot of intelligent Christian Negroes won't be able to qualify for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and see, and I, and I think you know what's so very important in terms of like us moving forward is this reminds us of how we have to re remain mindful and vigilant in the present moment. Yeah. Because what we don't want to do is in the year 2073, look back and say, oh, well, they did pass policies in the aftermath of George Floyd. They did, you know, on paper, but in actuality, did you, you, so you can unlock a door, but the question is, did you open the door, yeah. right? You know, and so to what degree are we really actually practicing what we preach mm. as, as opposed to merely the illusion of inclusion? Mm. Mm. I think for me as well, um, one, what is what is not shared is lost. And I yeah. think this is a testament of this, this yeah. book here. Um, but when we look at the hours we spent, the yearbook, like mm -hmm. spent a lot of time in the archives, yes. just yes. digging through file yes. after file yes. after file. Because these are the stories that are important, right? Because like so the, the memo that you you mentioned when they talk about today henceforth. If we get stuck on that part, we'll say, oh, well, after that, everything was peaches and cream. Mm -hmm. um, but when you actually take time to read the entire document Correct. Correct. and you hear the you see the full story and then you look at our present reality, it's like, well, did they predict the future mm -hmm. or did they actively shape the future? Exactly. Oh. And, and, and it's not when we talk about mm -hmm. the, the information that we find in this book, it is not to exploit or just profit off of these things, but it's to tell the truth right and mm -hmm. what happens is when we're able to tell the truth of the institution and we say like hey we did this right and this is the direction we want to move in now right here are the active steps we are 
it makes it more legitimate. It makes it more valid. Like mm-hmm. I can I can get with this because we've been honest about what we've done, right. right? And I think that's what this is. A lot of institutions don't have a body, a book like this, no, where they're honest about things that happen. And we we sell, there's a lot of things we celebrate in the book as well. But those hard truths that aren't talked about, that aren't spoken about, those are the things we have to talk about. Because if you want to present a DI, whatever, you got to say, like, well, what needed the DI? Mm-hmm. Right. You need, when you, when you, need, you need the facts. You need the facts. Right, right. You know, and the thing is, um, I, I think it is a unique project because when we first joined the University Studying Slavery Consortium, of which we had the opportunity to present our yeah. book idea at the uh, international conference. Um, USC Chapel Hill. Yes, yes, yes. So it was a very powerful experience. And we received a lot of very powerful feedback. I actually want to circle back to that in terms of how you all felt about that feedback. But yeah. what I just wanted to say really briefly was that um, when we first joined, there was, say, maybe some 60-odd schools, and we were the second school from the state of Texas to join. Now I think that number is getting close to 80 mm-hmm. now. Um, and the idea is that... Um, I, I checked. I, I asked the individuals who um, are actually responsible for organizing um, at the University of Virginia, and they told me that they themselves are talking about putting together, um, you know, papers from the enslavement period. Uh, but but in terms of a specific book about the school's relationship with, say, you know, particularly the people, i.e., African Americans, not not quite. So in, in many ways, um, you know, uh, th- this project has been groundbreaking and. Um, uh, it's been, uh, I don't know if you want to call it revolutionary, but, it, but it's been maybe a, a, lead, a point of light and leadership, if you would, yeah, compared sure. to other peer institutions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, and I think that, so, so my point being that when we talk about the dark chapters and, and how difficult it is, mm-hmm. by us still telling the whole story and telling right. the truth and not being afraid of that, we end up actually being leaders, yep. right? right? Is, yep. is, my, is my point. And yep. not that we did this in a contest, but the point is that it's because, well, we did because it's the right thing to do. Right. But, but and so, and, that, and, and to lead with that spirit and that orientation, I, I, we have nothing to fear. And so uh, I'm just curious, uh, what, what was your reaction, uh, Doc, to, um, you know, being able to present the book, present your scholarship, because there were indeed some uh, late nights and some weekends in which we were yes. grinding this out. And, yes. and, I, and I know you and I both have families and, you know, it's, it's not easy in addition to your teaching, in addition to everything else that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So what was it like when you finally were, were you know, at an international conference, you know, you know, everyone has a PhD and, and whatnot, and they're coming up to you, mm-hmm. you know, giving this positive feedback. What were some of the things that they said and how did you feel upon receiving that feedback? Well, um, I was flattered because honestly, I still consider myself to be a junior scholar. Oh. And so having, you know, those accolades for me, that that's very humbling because it is a reminder of how far I still have to go yeah. uh, in my academic journey. It was also intimidating because I came across the unexpected attendance of my former um, doctoral committee chair, Dr. Joyce Jackson from LSU. And uh, I did not expect that. Um, But I always feel like not necessarily that I have to prove myself to her, but she bet on me when honestly she didn't have that much institutional support, Mm. Uh, but she bet on me and she chose to direct my dissertation. you know, sometimes against the advice of some of her colleagues. So, um, you know, I did not want to disappoint her. I wanted to 
show that she made the right choice, yeah. that, um, you know, I'm up to the task. And so that added another layer of pressure. Um, but, you know, I was very well surrounded and, you know, I'm part of an awesome team. So I think that we had like the right recipe <laughs> for a great presentation at USS. Um, also, the fact that we all have different background, different uh, academic orientations. I mean, Dr. G, you're a historian. Uh, Mr. Perkins, you're into uh, higher education leadership. I'm into cultural anthropology and, you know, a, a little bit of geography in there. So I think that, you know, these, these were perfect ingredients um, mm -hmm. for, you know, a, a very, very good recipe. And uh, honestly, we delivered. And I know that not because I'm arrogant, but because of the feedback that we received. Yeah. I mean, um, we were there. Um, people didn't want to leave the room. Yeah. Everybody had to We had to be yeah. strung out of that's the room. Um, and, and, you know, and people still had more comments. I was surprised to see um, how far ahead TCU is in their research overall. Yeah. Uh, through the work that we did, we had a lot of comments like, uh, I can't believe how much you got accomplished. Yeah. We've been at it for five years and we don't have not even half of what you what you guys uh, were able to achieve. So, uh, you know, that was very encouraging. That was very encouraging. And so now we have the book out, the research is out. Um, people know that, yes, we are capable as, as scholars. Mm. Um, but I like to think of this book as a discussion, like mm. you say. So we are, we're starting a conversation. Mm. It's not a finished product. Mm -hmm. um, we still have more, more to go in terms of our research. Um, I'm probably seeing in the near future other publications mm -hmm. that that mm -hmm. will be based on what we have, mm -hmm. not necessarily authored by us. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I would be glad to see other people, you know, also write about these topics, continuing, giving different angles, um, deepening some of the the perspectives that are covered in the book. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent, yeah. Mr. Perkins. I yeah. mean, how about yourself? Going from uh, someone who came into this place just looking <laughs> for direction, you know, maybe you know, in, in different ways, and yeah. now here you are. Because uh, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but uh, I, I work with many colleagues on this campus with PhDs, and mm -hmm. cannot say that they have book credits yeah. behind their name. Yeah. <laughs> Here you are, right? You know, before you even graduate, you know, in this in this position where you have literally helped create history. Yeah, um, I think I'm still wrapping my head around it. Mm -hmm. A lot of it. Um, it really hit me when I went home this mm -hmm. past week. And my family had their mm. copies. Wow. And, you know, my mom, my dad, my sisters, you know, my uncle, my grandma, my aunts. Oh, wow. My aunts were like, can you sign it? Can you sign it? Oh, wow. And I was like, wow, this is this is something. I had to step, away, I had to step out of this space mm -hmm. to see, like, how big it really was um, and what this really meant, not to just, like, us as co-authors, but, like, for the campus community, but also, for, like, our, our personal communities and families and what that stood for. Um, as, as I've been on campus and I tell people about it and I've talked to some, some alum and I just give them like my 30 second spill, right. they're like, this is what, this, what, what is this? And I'm like, yeah, like, and they're like, well, what can I get it? Can I get it now? Like, this is a Christmas gift I'm giving out to like my friends yeah. I, I went to school with. Like, oh, wow. And then you see like, oh, this is a big deal. Like, this is a really big deal wow. because this is forever. Yes. This is forever. Like when we all turn back to dust, this is forever, oh, right? And and to, to build off of Dr. Greensworth's point, whoever comes after us, they don't have to start from scratch, mm -hmm. right? And so be it that there are stories that we couldn't get because it can't be exalted. Like, this is a lot of history, yes. right? We can't cover every semester, everything that people have contributed. But 
be it that there is foundation built, be it that there's already a brick there, whoever comes next, you don't have to start from ground zero. You can you can find, okay, well, they got this and this, but here's this really small story that they forgot. Like I can really delve into it. You don't have to start from the beginning. And so knowing that I'm a part of that, it's like, this is forever. Like, this is literally forever. As long as TCU is standing, this book will have value. And speaking of value, you know, um, uh, you're right, uh, because we, we planned on having a major launch once, um, you know, everyone comes back in the fall. In the fall we're yeah. looking at um, having a, a softer launch at Doc's bookstore, uh, you know, close to Juneteenth. But even still, you're right, um, because, and the reason why we planned it this way is because originally our uh, publication release date we were told wasn't going to be till mid to late June. Right. But then we were surprised. <laughs> yeah. But ironically, we were surprised. Okay. So many text early. messages, people like, right. books on the way. I'm right. like, it yeah, should right. be. <laughs> so it's been this interesting process where the feedback is starting to trickle in. Yeah. And I, for example, I just heard uh, Newsflash that um, apparently our book was given away as a, a, a lottery prize at, you know, at, at, a, at a graduation event you know, oh. last week on campus. Right? Oh, wow. So already people are seeing value in okay. terms of, hey, well, this is something you should win yeah. and then you know and take home yeah. you know uh, as far as you know adding to the whole um well you're part of this larger history yeah. and, and as far as if you're going to call yourself a tc alum then you're now part of this legacy and this book is now Absolutely. being part of seeing part of that legacy and so i find that very powerful as well when you talk about 150 years i think one of the main things that the book does for me as well is it reminds people how we have to be diverse in our perspectives as well. I think for, for me before this book, I even fell into this, this trap of, well, what was the first date that the first, you know, black person enrolled that, that, so yeah. let's just focus on that and, yeah. and, and, and then go from there. And so therefore I think, um, you know, maybe that's what maybe created that whole focus on only Aline Jones mm -hmm. when I came to campus, right? That was like the only name that I really heard in terms of talking about that, that time period. But the, in addition to Aline Jones, God bless, uh, there, there is always a fingerprint or a footprint of, of Black people yes. in, in, as far as the TC experience. And, and Dr. Greenspoon, you helped un uncover this very powerful link from the very beginning. Yeah. From the very beginning, yeah. all along, there's always been presence. And I, so I think that helps us to expand our thinking a little bit and not just focus on um, those who had actually enrolled for classes, but then to understand, you know, that is that you're right. We're not two-dimensional. We are three-dimensional, complex, nuanced beings. Our experience is nuanced. It is complex. And so I, I think it's very important to remind people that um, when we talk about the history, then we also need to talk about it in, you know, the complex manner it deserves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think just building off that, Dr. Greenswood, that one of that, those interesting stories that you came about with the Thorpe family, which I know we, we have an episode on it on our uh, podcast now, but like that is what we're talking about when we say these are the important stories. Yes. Because if you get caught into like when the first black person was a student here at TCU, right. exactly. you will think, oh, they just popped in the 50s and the 60s right. and black right. people. But you you miss out on this longer legacy that right. black people have been here since day one. Right. right. And so when we're able to like honor that legacy and see ourselves a part of this longer trajectory yeah. of black people it, it makes you move a little bit differently to say like mm. i'm a part of a, something a lot bigger right so when we go into our classrooms we have to teach or be students it's like it's not just about me mm -hmm. there were people here that were helping building this campus right. they couldn't do what i'm doing now they couldn't teach a class 
Charlie mm-hmm. Thorpe couldn't teach a class. Mm-hmm. Kate Thorpe couldn't go to class. Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't write up. They couldn't do a presentation. Mm-hmm. They couldn't go to the chancellor's office, right? And so because I can, how do I pay them back for what was denied to them? So what they contribute to this campus and landscape? Um, and I think that's just a powerful thing like if you put it in that perspective. Like right. since day one, we have been here. Correct. Yes, yes. And uh, I think it also opened your eyes to what it means when we say us as an institution first. Yeah. I think that we're kind of um, reducing the meaning of institution to students and faculty. Yeah. You know, but I think even me personally, it, it really not necessarily opened my eyes, but it increased my awareness of the presence of all the staff and all the su- people who provide support and that make us yes. being here possible. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're looking at uh, Charlie Thorpe who provided help with maintenance, with all those little things, you know, and I think that we're devaluing mm. what it really means that yeah. they're contributing. Yeah. Um, but it was absolutely essential. 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 Absolutely essential. 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 Yeah. Right. I mean, and again, I mean, who can say or deny that if, Charlie and Kate Thorpe weren't there, we actually may not be here right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, who who can't? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's possible that you know we are still here, but all I know is that they were there, right? right? And, and, and TCU is still here. Yeah. That, that part I do know. And so yeah. I think, uh, in, in addition to uh, this idea of you know expanding beyond just student and faculty, I think we also made an effort to talk about TCU's relationship to the larger Fort Worth mm-hmm. community yeah. as well, right? right. Because TCU is not a, a, a bubble up in the sky, right? right. I mean, it's, it's a part of a larger environment. Right. And I think, you know, making that connection was important. And so speaking of which, uh, Mr. Perkins, how was it for you talking about Jarvis, right? Yeah. And, and, and that connection in terms of, you know, how TCU, you know, is not just, you know, its own isolated bubble, but it's part of a larger fabric. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, that's such a, I love telling people and talking to people about it because one of my first questions like, you know Jarvis Hall, right? <laughs> yeah, I know Jarvis Hall. <laughs> Do you know Jarvis Christian University? <laughs> no, I never heard of that. It was HBCU in East Texas and going into to TCU's relationship to that, right? And the, the, they had a hand in this. They had a hand in developing another institution. Right. So then my question becomes like, well, what does it mean when we don't have institutional memory of these relationships, Absolutely. right? On a large scale and a small scale, we don't have institutional memory of the Cates and the Charlie Thorpe. So mm-hmm. we don't have institutional memory of the exchange program with Jarvis or the handpicking of curriculum and handpicking mm-hmm. of leadership and how funds were kind of being moved around. What does it mean? What does it say about what we prioritize? Because we can remember the the first day they did the riffram wazoo like, like, like right we can we can remember those things but yes. when it's some, when it comes to like the relationship piece with the people the actual people we don't we can't recall it how can we talk about it like how can we say like well this happened and, and this is what came about it because uh, when you read some of the notes from that time they were very proud to have a relationship with Jarvis they were very happy to have Jarvis be a college of TCU mm-hmm. so the same way we have the College of Education and Neely and uh, the Honors College Jarvis was a college of TCU and so what does it mean when we don't have institutional memory and so then it allows me to go into like well why did they need it why did they want this why does this relationship have to exist um and it means a lot because I feel like I'm contributing a very unique perspective and history that has been pretty much erased 
-hmm. from the general conversation of TCU. Yeah, and that's one thing that you addressed too. Is it's not just why did it happen, but also why is it that we don't remember? Yeah. Why the erasure? Yeah. There is, you know, intentionality behind this, and I think that you're doing such a brilliant job and covering it layer by layer. Um, I mean, this is just a a mind blowing episode in TCU history. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and I and I think another feature that I really like about the book is. And it's a small but still significant piece is the timeline, right? The as far as the the events that occur in the Fort Worth area concerning uh, Black Americans, mm -hmm. because what we want to do is uh, make again this connection that it's not just TCU unto itself, but TCU in relationship in conversation with what's right. happening in the area. So I think it's significant for us to take note of the KKK, which stands for Ku Klux Klan, by the way, right, stands for Band of Brothers. It was mm -hmm. a hate group formed uh, immediately after the Civil War by jilted Confederate soldiers that unfortunately decided to uh, enact hate in many ways uh, under the cover of darkness and under hoods, if you all haven't heard the story. And so they had a very significant presence in Fort Worth in the 1920s, and so much so that they built one of the largest claverns, spelled with a K. And, and fortunately, part of that story is that it has now been uh, reappropriated, it's been purchased by uh, TCU, former TCU professor Adam McKinney, um, and now is going to become the Fred Rouse Center for Arts and Healing. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but you know, so that's the, the positive part, but we still have to understand that that's how present and strong the KKK was in this area, right? Yeah. Where you you build your own 2000 seat arena mm -hmm. for your meetings. Yeah. And so uh, to understand that TC was operating that milieu, it's, it's not to say that we know for sure that TC professors, you know, were part or affiliated, but the, the fact that it was, I mean, how do you jump in a pool and not get wet is mm -hmm. my question, right? right? And so, and then to know that, and then to know how, you know, uh, hardworking African-American families who first purchased their homes had to endure terror from quote unquote normal American citizens who did not want them in their neighborhoods. We, we have to understand that you know these these were the things that are happening right here, not in somebody else's neighborhood, not in this, you know, Selma, Alabama or Jackson, Mississippi, you know, but right here. Right, yeah. You know, that, you know, uh, and we, we talk about, you know, it's in the timeline or even just how just right up the street from us, uh, not too far from the president's home or where, where the chancellor stays. A colonial country club, right? Not you know, refusing to integrate until the 1990s. Yeah, I mean that's uh, during our, all of our lifetimes, yeah, right? right? It's not during the black and white era. Right. And so for just us to understand that this is what we're connected to, so it's nothing to be necessarily ashamed about. But I think the shame would come in uh, not wanting to acknowledge what is factually true. Yeah, that's where the shame comes in. Yeah. Because, I mean, otherwise, if we don't know it's true, how can we learn from it? Right. How can we even talk about it? Right. And I think we're in the, this is what higher education and the academy is built for, right? Exploring like truths and realities and producing knowledge. And so if we aren't doing that, then we aren't doing our job. Then we have no value to society. And so what we're doing is proving and, and providing our value to society by right. talking about these hard truths and giving people something to think about and take away and apply to the future. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And my hope is that with this conversation being started, that we can influence the future. Yeah. Uh, it really bugs me that when students come in and they think uh, going off campus is going to the target and, and coming back. Mm. And, and I think that you're developing awareness of you know, our, our larger environment, developing awareness of our history and how we're connected. It's not a matter of let me just go back to 
you know, my home and my neighborhood. No, the idea is that we're, we're, we're connected yeah. in many ways. And so, and I said this so many times before that this book is not just for black people, right? right? It's for anyone right. who dares to wear the purple. That, 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 that's, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Right? In, in all of this many shades. In the many shades of purple. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And even I think in terms of institutional pride, um, you know, I've been asked the question, why are you throwing shade on TCU? But no, that's not what we're doing. Um, you know, and the same people are the people who say like, you know, we've, we've moved on from there. We're diverse now. And even though, you know, we still have quite a way to go when it comes to diversity, right. even the little diversity that we have now should not be taken for granted. We need to understand what had to happen in order for TCU to become what it is today. I mean, we all want to be proud to be home frogs, but what did it take yeah. for TCU to reach its level? What did it take? You know, it came at a cost. Yeah. And unless we we delve into this, we would not be able to appreciate what TCU has been able to accomplish. Yeah, I think it, it should give people more pride, right? Mm -hmm. When you have it, like, we did that. It was yeah. dark. It was a dark mm -hmm. history. But we've triumphed. And despite everything, we're here and we're moving forward. But we're moving forward with the truth in hand. And I think it makes it more powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the favorite aspects that I have of the book is that um, we kept our own voices, right? Well, I know one of the things that we talked about is, you know, should we have a consistent voice? Right. Um, but we decided, like, no, I think the the way you structure it is now, it kind of really shows, like, our individual perspectives mm -hmm. as well as our own styles, Um and that's something I enjoy, right? And yeah. I'm like, this is cool because I, I can't sound like Dr. G, right? I, I can't I can't write like Dr. Greensward. Like, I would have struggled trying to like copy you all style. Um, but be it that we all have our own individual voices and we come together like a choir to like sing this song together. Yeah. I think it makes the book like mm -hmm. an enjoyable reading experience, right? Outside of like the content, but just the the reading experience itself, like mm -hmm. hearing from three different voices. Kind of like a jazz choir. Like right? a jazz choir. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, just like I think all spokes lead to the center of the wheel, uh, what you all just said, I think really makes my heart glad in that we have done the best we could with what we had to model reconciliation and this idea of collaboration. And for us to bring our voices together in concert and, and to produce, um, you know, this, this, you know, collective voice, you know, respecting our individuality, but still, you know, coming together to produce a collective voice, there's power in that, right? Yeah. And so um, I'm so very fortunate that, um, oh, you know, I, I, that we were able to come together um, so that we could move forward um, together in this manner. And to all those out there listening, uh, we really appreciate you all uh, just taking the time to listen as you know, we are enjoying this journey. Um, it's absolutely a thrill and a pleasure for us to be able to record this dynamic episode. And wherever you are in the path of reconciliation, we just wish to encourage you to continue to do the best you can with what you have. I cannot promise what will ultimately happen as a result of our enterprise in studying TC's relationship with slavery, racism, and the Confederacy, but I can pledge to you that we are doing the best we can with what we have.